Morning. Glad you are all here this morning. It feels like it's been a little while and it kind of has, but uh, I'm glad we are able to get back into the swing of things. Couldn't get here because of school policy last week, but it is what it is. So we're going to make the most of it for the rest of the year. A couple of weeks ago, a good friend of my wife's gave her a Beth Moore devotional, and much of the beginning of that devotional had to deal with a guy uh, in your Bible named Samuel. And <clears throat> this uh, on the way to uh, uh, Texas to see my sister for Christmas, my wife started telling me about uh, this devotional and what she was reading, and uh, I started asking some questions about Samuel. And uh, I've made it a point uh, as a pastor and for a couple of years now to try and read through my Bible every single year, just as a as a goal. And so I know of Samuel and knew some of the things that he did as a prophet for God. But she started asking me stuff, and I had I had no real response. I had no real answer for the questions that she was asking. So finally, I just had to say, "Babe, uh, right now I'm your husband." And uh, we're on vacation. What I'm going to need you to do is set an appointment with your pastor when he's back from vacation, okay? Because, I, I mean, I have no idea what you're, what you're talking about here. But uh, I felt very inadequate in that moment. I don't know about you, but me, the way I, I work, my brain kind of works. Maybe it's the athlete in me, but I, I needed to start getting some answers. So I started pouring in, doing a little bit of study on Samuel, and I found uh, some passage of scripture that I think is going to help us as we start thinking about this idea of 21 days of prayer and fasting, our annual series of 21 days of prayer and fasting. So if you brought a Bible, I hope you did, you can go ahead and grab it, open it up to 1 Samuel. If you're new to the Bible, 1 Samuel is towards the beginning of your Bible, a place called the Old Testament. If you have no idea, that's okay. There's a table of contents at the front of your Bible. It's going to tell you what page number you can jump to, or you can also follow along here on the screen or there in your notes. If you're a guest this morning, I want to extend a special welcome to you all. I'm glad you're with us. One of the things that we're committed to here at New Anthem is prayer. And I'll tell you exactly why, because prayer is the difference between your best and God's best. And uh, I don't know about you, but in my life, I've found that my best is often not good enough. But when God gets involved, man, that changes the story altogether. See, in 2013, when Laura and I kind of sold what we had and moved here to start this church, the first thing that we did was assemble a prayer team. I knew that my best was not going to be good enough to get us going here with a church. And so we needed people praying for us and praying for a thriving, life-giving church, which is what we set out to do. And we knew that we needed to start with prayer. And then shortly after starting the church, I heard a pastor say something that really kind of got into my soul. He said that when you prayed regularly, irregular things happen on a regular basis. You might jot that down if you're taking notes. When you pray regularly. Irregular things happen on a regular basis. And as that really started to pour into me, I started retracing my steps. I wondered, is that really true in my own personal life? And what I found is there were repeatedly irregular things because we had assembled this whole prayer team and we were believing in prayer to start this church. For example, uh, before I went into full-time ministry, I owned a business. And in 2012, I was running that business. I was coaching high school basketball. I was helping a guy start a church in Mound Ridge, aside from trying to be a husband and a dad with another child on the way. And in the midst of all that, kind of felt this stirring in my soul that I was supposed to go and start 
a church. Now, keep in mind, I have no idea where at this point. I just kind of felt like that's where God was leading me. And so I said to myself, well, I'll just list my house for sale by owner. If God sells it, then that'll kind of give me an idea that I am, in fact, supposed to uh, move, become a pastor, start a church, all that. And so we list our house for sale by owner. And for almost a year, no real action. And in my mind, I was like, "Woo!" dodged a bullet, right? I mean, it's not selling. I'm staying. I'll just run my business. Not like I can advertise that for sale. So we'll, we, we have our answer here. And in the matter of 10 days, we closed on the sale of our house and my business. A couple come in, brought uh, the house. Another couple uh, guys came in and bought the business. Just like that, I was homeless and unemployed in Jesus' name. But uh, to make matters worse, my wife and I, in the kind of uh, conversation, we, we decided that maybe she should quit her full-time job so she could stay home with our son and then uh, our daughter, which was on the way. The problem with that is her full-time job was how we got our medical insurance. And then all of a sudden, this just happens. And I'm thinking, God, you better show up soon because we're going to need all these things, especially to have this child. You know, I mean, I don't know much about delivering a baby. Okay. I mean, you, you boiling water in a stick. That's all I got. You know, I mean, I don't know if that's how that actually happens, but I mean, uh, we went to the hospital. Okay. So just, just so you know, but God connected us to people, got this prayer team, connected us to an organization called ARC, the FEC, and uh, allowed me to recruit a number of volunteers to come help us start this church. And it literally started with prayer. Even the fact that we're in this school was an answer to prayer. The year we wanted to start the church, the, this school got a new principal. Well, this principal had worked with a church planter at a different school that he was at. So then when he shows up here, he was much more willing to let us rent the school because he had a good experience. Irregular on the regular. Now, maybe I'm a little bit slow behind the wheel, but uh, partway through this first year of New Anthem Church, it dawned on me that, hey, this whole prayer thing's kind of a big deal. When God shows up, some pretty cool stuff has started to happen. Maybe we should start a church-wide initiative where what we do is simply pray. Long story short, 21 days of prayer and fasting, which we do each January. Now, why 21 days? Because 21 is my favorite number. It's my college basketball number, so that's part of it. But more importantly, science would suggest that it takes 21 days for you to form a new habit. And I want prayer not to be just something you check off your list, but rather something you enjoy and you do on a habitual basis. What's fascinating to me is I frequently talk to people who have made the decision to not pray. They say they don't enjoy it, so they've just decided that it's not for them. In fact, in 2016, the Pew Research Group came out with a study that said less than 40% of people under age 30, who identify, identify themselves as Christians, actually pray every day. Fewer than 40% actually pray every day. Of that small sampling, less than 30% of those are guys. And so if I'm not great at math, but what it seems like is we're trending in the wrong direction, especially with young males, men not willing or wanting to pray. And here's why I think that is, why most young people specifically don't pray. It's because they were never actually taught how to pray. They don't enjoy prayer because they don't know how to actually pray. And they don't understand what prayer really is. But when, again, you don't pray, 
you're operating under your own power. And I think many people would admit if they looked at their life, their own power isn't good enough. Sometime your li- sometimes in life, your life is a wreck because you haven't brought God into the equation. You haven't invited him to show up. I can say it like this. Once you cease to be hungry, you're dying. Many people's spiritual life is dying because they're so entertained with the world around them that they stop being hungry for God. Their spiritual lives wane because of it. Much of what I want to do today is to help reawaken, or maybe awaken for the very first time for some of you, this hunger for God that you should have in your life. That's essentially what fasting is, feasting on God, but we'll get there in a second. Let's go to 1 Samuel, okay? You should be there. Uh, You want the big number 7. 1 Samuel 7, you want the little number 2. It reads, The ark remained at Kiriath-Jerim a long time, 20 years in all. Time out, because here's where knowing some history within your Bible becomes important. The ark is in Kiriath-Jerim, but it shouldn't have been there. See, for 369 years, let that sink in. America's 240 years old as a country. And for 369 years, the ark is in a tabernacle in Shiloh. But because of the people's wickedness, primarily some priests, a guy named Eli and his sons, uh, Israel's defeated in battle. You can read about it in uh, chapter 4, I believe, of 1 Samuel. They steal the ark and take it back with them, the Philistines, take it to their country. In chapter 5 of 1 Samuel, it's kind of a funny story. They uh, bring the ark into their temple. It's, a, it's not a Christian temple. It's for a guy named Dagon, a, a false god. They, they put it in there. They leave. Priests come back the next day. They find this idol Dagon laying face down in front of the ark, virtually worshiping the ark. They're like, hey, who pushed down Dagon, right? So they go in there. They pick Dagon back up, set him up. Come back the next day. Dagon's falling down again. No head, no hands. He's like trying to crawl out of there. He can't be in the presence of this holy God. It's really fascinating. Some of you aren't as concerned about it as I was, but nonetheless, that's okay. The Bible's pretty cool, people. They steal the ark. They, things go bad for them, not just Dagon. People in their community start dying. They get tumors, all kinds of things happen. It's a big train wreck. So they say, well, we're just sending this mug back to Israel. Okay, we don't need this in our presence anymore. And so that's what they do. It lands in Kiriath-Jerim, but not where it was supposed to be for 20 years. Safe nonetheless, but not where God had designed the ark to be. So let me ask you a question. How many of you have received the presence of God only to put him in a safe place and not see him again for 20 years? You maybe grew up in church. You know the right words to use. You know when to raise your hands. You might read your Bible here and there, sing the worship songs. But at the end of the day, God has no real impact on your life. He's just something safe for you. Maybe you've never heard about God. Maybe this is the first time that you're hearing. You come in here, it's a new year. You're thinking, maybe I need to set some goals for my life. Maybe this God thing will work out well for me. I'm searching. And so you decided to come that way into church this morning. And I've got good news for both camps. 
Whether you've made God just something safe for your life or you've set a goal for yourself, you want to learn a little bit, God wants to move on your behalf. God wants to do something in your life this year and the years to come. But let's keep reading here. The ark remained at Kiriath Jerem a long time, 20 years in all. Then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. So Samuel said to all the Israel, uh, <clears throat> Israelites, If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the asterisks and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve Him only. If then statements, very important. God will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their bales and asterisks, those are just idols, and served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. Okay. Four things kind of jump out at me here that I think will be helpful for us as we try and understand this next 21 days of prayer and fasting and kind of develop this season in our life. First of all, there's a recognition and a confession among the people. There's a recognition and a confession that something in their life is not the way it needs to be. Something is missing. They realize they haven't followed God wholeheartedly. And because of that, there's a gap between what they want to have happen and what's actually happening. Is there a gap in your life this morning? Do you feel stagnant in this whole relationship with God? Do you feel like God maybe isn't even there? Have you had very little luck with your prayers being answered? You tried out the whole prayer thing, God didn't show up, and so you just thought, well, maybe uh, this isn't for me. Could it be that you have unconfessed sin in your life? There needs to be a recognition of what's happening within your life. The first thing that you want to do if you want your prayer life to change is you have to repent of your sin. Prayer is very much going in before God, and there can't be sin before God. You need to confess your sin before the Lord. You have to get rid of these things that are keeping you from God. And listen to me, they might not even be sinful things. They might be very good things, but they're not the best thing. First thing that people did is they realized something was separating them from God. They recognized it and they confessed of it. And it might not have even been a sinful thing, but they knew that they needed something to change within their life in order to get the most of their prayers. Same thing is true for you this morning. Recognize what's keeping you from God. And when you do, confess it and then do number two. The second thing you have to do is develop a plan. You've got to develop a plan for your prayer life. I've given you a book to help you with that, the 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting book. You should have all received one of those. Grab one on your way out uh, if not. But uh, there's prayer outlines in there that will teach you how to pray. You can pray right through some of those outlines of uh, other prayer bu- uh, bullet points that you can pray for certain things. I did an entire message series last year on how to pray. We're not going to get uh, deep into that this year, because I think you can go online and check it out, but what most people fail to do in their prayer life is plan it out. Plan it out. Even some of you right now, you're probably like, gosh, that just doesn't seem, you know, natural. Planning prayer, shouldn't prayer just be kind of organic and just happen? Look again at verse 3. Samuel outlined a plan for the people. It's our if-then statement. If you do this, then this is going to happen. Same thing's true for prayer. You need a plan. If you pray these 
ways, then this is probably going to happen. I'll explain it like this. There's not a human being on this planet that I love more than my wife, Laura. Okay? Not your kids? No. Right? Those fools are going to get out of my house sometime. She's stuck with me till the end. Okay? So uh, I love Laura beyond anything. So occasionally, for, because of my love for her, I'll plan on having dates. And I can tell you this. Laura has never felt robbed of my affection any time I planned that date. Same thing would be true with God. God's not going to feel robbed of your affection for him because you plan a date. In fact, if we just let the whole thing be organic, we'd sit around and not do anything. What do you want to do? Well, I don't know. What do you want to do? You want to go eat? Yeah, let's go eat. Where do you want to eat? I don't know where you want to go. Right? Just, we'd sit on the couch and eat Cheetos and play Dr. Mario. That's probably what would happen. But in the same way, that sounds like a pretty good date, to be honest, okay? Let's not get too carried away. But because of the love I have for her, I'll plan dates. Because of the love I have for God, I have to plan prayer. And you know this. We've talked about time management before. You have things that you want to get done. You plan to do those things. It's a new year. I imagine some of you are going to go check out the Y, lift some weights, get down the elliptical, do a class, whatever, play some racquetball. Who knows what you're going to do? But if you don't go, when am I going to do that? Chances are you're not actually going to go do that because there's a thousand other things competing for your time. And you'll find something to say, you know what, maybe that's more important. Maybe that's more valuable. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But at some point, if you don't plan it, you're not going to go do it. So plan prayer. What are you going to pray? When are you going to pray? And I'm not saying that throughout the day you don't naturally commune with the Lord. Sure, Laura and I, we text. We have our set dates. Sometimes we text throughout the day. Hey, do you need anything? Can I help you with anything? Whatever it is. Same thing's true with prayer. Have your set time that you're going to pray every single day. But then you can commune with the Lord throughout the day. To make this simple on you, I've not only given you some prayer outlines of what you can pray, but I'm also going to give you some time over the next 21 days of when you can come pray. So Monday through Friday, 6.30 a.m. to 7.30 a.m., the office will be open. You can come and pray Saturdays, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. You can come and pray. Show up and pray with other folks. Let me tell you what some of the other things that you need to plan for within your prayer. Giving you what you can pray, giving you a time that you can pray, but because prayer is so important, and because when you pray regularly, irregular things will happen on a regular basis, you need to plan on some ways to impede mental drift. Because if you're new to the whole prayer thing, you're going to start thinking about other things. Your mind's going to start to wander. You need to Uh, plan on impeding this mental drift. In other words, it's going to be very difficult to start praying. If you've got your iPhone out in front of you, all the apps are on, you're checking Twitter, checking Facebook, whatever it is, just even as a life coach, aside from Christianity, this is not the best plan for your life to be checking your social media nonstop, especially if you're in the midst of like deep journal and Bible study and your prayer and you're getting through it and then you in your mind you think I should probably face box this no right and you you take the picture of it though you're like communing with the Lord no you're not 
right? You're Facebooking it. You're on the Twitter. You're on the gramming, okay? You're Instagramming it. So I know you're not communing with the Lord because you're on social media. So if that hit too close to home, I don't apologize for that. But plan on some ways to avoid this mental drift. Get the phone away from you in the middle of your Bible study and prayer. You need an intimate connection with the creator of the universe, and that is not helping you. Another helpful tip, have a calendar next to you, a planner. When you start praying, Bible study, journaling, all that stuff, uh, invariably something's going to pop in your mind of what you need to go and do. Just write it down in the journal and go back to what you're doing. You can check that box off later of, of when you actually complete that task. But you've got to plan for some ways to avoid mental drift. I promise you it's going to happen. Plan on how you can avoid these distractions. A great way to do this is when you show up to the office and pray, there's going to be other people there praying. And you're going to feel ashamed if you're in there on your phone uh, and not praying. So a great way to do that is to get other people around you when you pray. On Wednesday mornings, a pastor typically comes by my office and we, we pray. We pray for his church. We pray for this church. We pray for each other and our families and different things like that. And I tell you what, it's done for me. He's a much better prayer than I am, but it's allowed me to, to become a better prayer, to, to hear how he communes with the Lord. It's different than how I did in the beginning. And, and we've had conversations around that idea. Same thing can be true with you. If you show up in the morning, you see somebody that feel, you just feel like, man, they're really deep in prayer. Ask them, can you pray with me? And just let them pray for you. Listen. Start trying to incorporate some of those things in your life if it helps. I'm not saying it will, but it helped with me. One more tip. We'll move on. Develop a system for your prayer lists. Okay. Now, I, some of you, I lost you at system. I lost others of you at prayer list. Okay, some of you blacked out. I totally get that. But just check back in for a second. Record what you're praying. Okay, record what you're praying for. Here's how I've decided to do this. I've got a three-year journal. In page one, January 1, 2017, January 1, 2018, January 1, 2019, all on the same page. Next page, January 2, next page, January 3. And I record what I'm praying for on those specific days so that next year I can see, man, look how God answered these prayers. Look how God moved in this situation that I felt like was a big deal at the time. And now I look back and it wasn't a big deal at all. You got to track these things. Track your prayer. Track what you're praying for. Use whatever works for you. Might be a closet with some post-it notes. Might be a little note card. Whatever it is, whatever it is that works for you. But do it. Journal and pray. You want to talk about developing a system that helps your faith in God? That's it. When you start seeing God answer prayer, when you start seeing irregular on the regular, man, that strengthens your faith in God. I promise you, you'll become more apt to develop this habit of prayer when you start seeing God come through for you on your behalf. The back of this prayer booklet, I've got a prayer journal in there for you. Try to take all the excuses I could away from you so that you would develop this habit over the next 21 days. Use that prayer journal if you need to. You don't even have to spend any money. Strengthen your confidence in God. Okay? Develop a plan. That's my point. Let's move on. What else can you do to maximize your prayer life these 21 days? Number three, you need to intercede on someone else's behalf. 
intercede on someone else's behalf. Check verse 5 again. Samuel said, I'm going to intercede for you. It's kind of a weird word. All it means is you guys are over here. God's over here. I'm going to stand in the middle. I'm going to pray for you to God. Do you have people in your life that need prayer? Do you know people who don't know Jesus? You need to pray for them. You need to intercede for them. Do you know people who are sick? They need a miraculous cure from God. You need to pray for them. You need to intercede for them. I believe God still heals people. Amen, somebody? Amen. You got to pray. You got to ask God. You got to move on other people's behalf. You got somebody that you're struggling with at work? You got somebody you're struggling with at school? You need to pray for them. It's much more difficult to be mad at somebody and harbor resentment when you're praying to the Lord to save their soul or heal their family or move on their behalf. You need to intercede for someone. In that booklet, I've given you a number of things that you can intercede for. You can intercede for this nation. God help us, we could use some prayer in this country. You could pray for our leaders, national, local, government. You can pray for your teachers, your coaches, your school, this church, our leadership. Not the only person that makes this thing go. You can pray for each and every one of the leaders here. The elders specifically, team leaders, volunteers. Man, just pray that God would do a mighty work through his people. Intercede on someone else's behalf. You want to maximize these 21 days? Don't just pray for yourself. You pray for somebody else. I'll also say this. If the only thing that you're doing in your prayer is talking, you're doing it wrong. You've got to find a time to start listening to God. and Find out what he wants you to do and how he wants to move in your life. You can't do that if the only thing you're doing is talking. Last thing, verse 6. On that day, the day they confessed, the day they started praying and developing their plan, on that day they fasted. They didn't just pray, they also fasted. Let me give you a couple real quick notes on fasting, because fasting is perhaps the most uh, neglected spiritual discipline within all of Christianity. In fact, just to drive this point home, I had a conversation not too long ago with a pastor who'd been in ministry longer than I've been alive. He said, I've never fasted. It should not be that way. Bible makes it clear. Jesus makes it clear. His followers fast. Uh, in fact, in, in Matthew six sixteen, he doesn't say if, but when you fast. It's not if you fast, it's when you fast. Matthew 9, 15, he doesn't say his followers might fast. He says they will fast. Ultimately, the concern is not whether or not we will fast, it's but when. Okay, but how? What is fast? What does fasting even mean? Is that like not eating food? Here's what fasting is. Fasting is voluntarily going without food or any other regularly enjoyed good gift from God. For the sake of some spiritual purpose. Say that again because I saw some of you writing that down. Fasting is voluntarily going without food or any other regularly enjoyed good gift from God for the sake of some spiritual purpose. You want something spiritual to happen within your life because of your fast. Here's some of the spiritual purposes the Bible outlines on why you should fast. You need to strengthen your prayer life then fast. Seek God's guidance. Express grief. Seek deliverance or protection. Express repentance and returning to God. That's what we just read about in 1 Samuel. Humble oneself before God. Express concern for the work of God. Minister to the needs of others. It's our interceding peace. 
overcome temptation, dedicate yourself to God, express love and worship to God. If you're struggling with something in your life, you should fast about it. As you can see, fasting is not one of these one-and-done sort of spiritual disciplines. It should happen in your life frequently or at worst, repeatedly. You need to fast from something. Now, I know some of you have never fasted, and that's totally okay. All right? I was 30-some years old the first time I ever fasted. Now, I want to help you, though, develop some ways that you can fast over these next 21 days. So here's uh, the types of fasts that you can do. You can do a complete fast. What that is is just water. Okay? It's just a water fast. Now, that being said, it, you, it, you might need to consult a doctor before you do that one. Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be rude or anything like that. I'm just telling you that s- some people uh, should probably consult a doctor before they just say, I'm not going to eat any food and just drink water. Okay, uh, if you have a very physical career, uh, maybe doing a juice fast within that, but just not giving your body the sensation of chewing and eating food, you could do a juice and get your protein or calories that way. But that's what we call a complete fast. You see Jesus do this. Very often, 40 days, a number of other people, complete fast, okay? A selective fast. This is just removing certain things from your diet. Uh, the, the most widely known one in the Bible is what they call the Daniel fast, where it's no meat, uh, it's like nuts, fruits, no sugar, no processed foods, things like that. Clean eating is an, is an idea of this. Uh, you're going to do a selective fast. There's what we call a partial fast. This is say, I'm going to sit away this block of time, and I'm not going to eat anything during this block of time. I'm just going to pray, seek the Lord, and things uh, of that nature. That would be what we call a partial fast. Some people call it a Jewish fast. Uh, it just in, involves abstaining from food from like morning till evening or, or whatever it is for your life, 6 a.m. to 3 p.m., something like that. That's a partial fast. Then there's a soul fast. This is what I would encourage most of you to do, especially if you're kind of new to the faith. This is uh, not so much around the idea of food, but uh, abstaining from things that allow you to kind of refocus your life. For instance, social media, TV, uh, video games, whatever it is, you, you decide to fast from those things for a specific duration, ideally this 21 days, and then you Uh, uh, gradually bring those things back into your life. This is what I would, again, encourage all of you to try and do over these next 21 days. Pick one thing that you say, you know what, I'm going to go without this thing. It's a good thing, but I'm going to go without this one good thing for 21 days and just see what kind of change there is, what kind of difference God brings in to my life. Again, you got to develop a plan for this. Okay, You can't just choose to do it um, and we've outlined a number of ways that you can help do that there in your booklet. But I want to show you uh, as we close what happens when you pray and fast. This is verse 7, 1 Samuel. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. This is where Goliath, uh, if you remember, came out of the tribe of the Philistines. Great warrior. Uh, uh, country. They said to Samuel, "Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that He may rescue from the hand, rescue us from the hand of the Philistines." Then Samuel cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. 
While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But on that day, the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. I love that. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. When you pray and fast, the Lord moves on your behalf. And you can have an Ebenezer in your life. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. What are you going to pray that the Lord will do for you in this year, this week, this next day? The Lord will help you. Fun fact, the word Mizpah, where the people of God were gathered in Hebrew, it literally translates watchtower. Shepherds used to build Mizpahs in their fields so that they could see all of their sheep. Uh, Cities would build Mizpahs in uh, their walls so that they could see if an enemy was coming near to them. Excuse me. Mizpahs allow you to see first and furthest. Don't miss that. Prayer does the same thing. Prayer can be your Mizpah. God allows you to see first and furthest into your life or other people's lives when you pray. So it's a watchtower. It's a, it's a place of protection. Prayer is. That's what God wants you to know. That prayer can be a mispo in your life, allow you to see first and furthest, and especially for the people that you are praying for. And that's what Samuel did. And here's the best news of all. The same spirit that was alive in Samuel is alive in you if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the prayers that you can pray can have a vast impact on the world around you, the community around you, the people around you. And then maybe a miracle can be done. And you can point that back and say, here's my Ebenezer. Here's where the Lord has helped me. I can't promise that all your prayers are going to be answered the exact way that you want them to, but I can promise you that when you pray regularly, irregular things will happen on a regular basis. So as we kick off this 21 days of prayer and fasting, let's all close together in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we love you. Thank you for being here with us in this moment. God, thank you for this free gift of salvation offered to everyone through your son, Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed here this morning, if you've come in this morning as just kind of a New Year's resolution, you're saying, man, I just, I want my life to change. I don't know how to do it. Put your faith in Jesus. That's how your life changes. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I want to give you an opportunity to confess, recognize that you've maybe done some things that you're not proud of. The Bible calls those things sin. Now you can turn your life over to God right now, today. And your life can be radically different and transformed. In your heart, just pray, God, I'm sorry. Sorry I've sinned. Sorry I've not lived up to your expectations. But I believe in Jesus that he came to this earth 
that he died for my sin. But three days later, he rose from the dead. And because of that, I'm made new. Thank you for saving me. Help me as I live for you. God, I thank you for those changed lives that prayed that prayer. God, I thank you for every life in here this morning. God, I'm praying and interceding on each person's behalf right now that you would pour out a crazy blessing in these next 21 days. God, I'm praying for healing. I'm praying for uh, financial blessing. I'm praying for uh, spiritual blessing. I'm praying for that person who's struggling in school right now. They're being bullied. I'm praying for somebody who's struggling at work. God, I'm praying for that marriage that's on the rocks. God, I'm praying for that, uh, that recently engaged person. I'm praying for uh, those ladies that are pregnant, praying for safety. God, I know you want to move on people's behalf. I know you want to make yourself known. I'm praying that you do that right now. In a powerful way, I'm praying for miracles. God, I'm believing in the next 21 days we're going to be inundated with powerful stories of how you moved on somebody's behalf. I can't wait to hear the Ebenezer stories. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. We trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.